Hey everyone, welcome back to the Medical Sales Nation. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining. I do appreciate it. So in this podcast, I am interviewing Rachel Armstrong and she works with me at Osprey. Rachel is probably one of the smartest people I've come across in a long time and her knowledge on the evolution and revolution that's taking place in healthcare is pretty impressive and I'm, I'm lucky to uh, have met her and have the opportunity to work with her. So what we dive into is the facts and the facts are this. We are moving away from a fee-for-service healthcare system and to a value-based payment model that's tied to quality metrics and better outcomes. It's a fact. And there's a lot of people and there's hospital systems out there that are denying that this is going to happen. But we can no longer continue to go down the road uh, with our healthcare system and think we're going to be able to pay for all this stuff. So we're going to dive into how the changing payment models are going to impact salespeople, companies, startups, um, as they introduce new technologies to the market. Let's face it, I, you know through my podcast that I love all this great technology, um, artificial intelligence, predictive analytics, deep learning, and, and robotics. The one thing that you have to consider is they have to prove that what they're offering is worth the cost to the healthcare system. And uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there and, and a lot of things that have uh, not kept pace with that. And uh, so Rachel's going to dive into how we have to prepare ourselves, how we become students of the game, as I say all the time, on staying up to date and what you can do now to get prepared because in 2025, 100% of CMS's payments are going to be tied to value-based payments, quality metrics, etc. So without me continuing to blab about this because I'm still a student, I am no expert, but we've got an expert on and we'll have her back in about 30, 60 days just to continue this conversation because I think it's incredibly important as well as interesting. So without further ado, let's get at it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Surik, and uh, I'm always excited about these podcasts and the folks that I'm talking to um, and have uh, a lot of fun with, but I I'm, I'm, have someone on the podcast that who I've met through Osprey Medical, where I'm at today, and her name is Rachel Armstrong, and she has a bachelor's degree in entrepreneurship. She has a master's in health and healthcare management uh, administration. And so that's an interesting combination itself. She worked for a company called Avalier, where she did consulting with Big Pharma. And then she went and worked with the Premier Group, where she also did more of a consulting type role. And it's really what she did is she put herself into this new arena of healthcare and healthcare economics, quality initiatives, value-based payments. Why is this important? Our healthcare field, our, our selling environment is changing. 
And with that change, we have to become better students of our game and understand this quality initiative hospitals are going through, the value-based payments. And you know, I talked to some of my peers out there and they say, ah, oh, this has been going on for 10 years. It's like, yeah, but it's really heating up. And I am not very well versed, and Rachel will tell you that, that, um, that I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to this. And so she's, she's teaching me how to get through this. And I thought it would be great for all of us to kind of get a better glimpse into not what's coming down like 10 years from now, but what's coming down now and how it's going to evolve over the next four to five years and impact how we sell into the hospital environment. So without further ado, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it. I'm uh, very excited to talk with uh, this audience a little bit about value-based healthcare and the changes that are here today in impacting health systems and the products that they select to move forward with in the context of quality measurement and how they evaluate true value within the context of this changing regulatory environment. Oh, that's great. So before we get into that, just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. So you have a, a, a degree in, in entrepreneurship, and then you decided to go into healthcare, healthcare administration, management. Why? Why did you decide to do that? Yeah, yeah. No, great question. Um, so I actually grew up a uh, family, uh, family practitioner. For uh, My dad was a family doctor. Mom is a hospice nurse, and I was fascinated day in and day out watching uh, the healthcare system change. So I think, you know, at a very young age, I had the opportunity to witness what it what does true healthcare look like day in and day out. And more than that, I think my recent interests have more so focused on how do we use technology and big data to truly drive better outcomes for patients. So um, I have focused on that in a number of different roles. Um, While I was at Avalier, I had the opportunity to launch the what we call Quality Measures Navigator. What the Quality Measures Navigator did was it actually brought into one single database all of the quality measures that exist in the landscape. It was 6,000 quality measures aggregated by value-based payment program. And it actually helped industry uh, better identify which drugs and which devices they're going to choose to develop and commercialize to further uh, impact patient care. Um, in my next role, um, I was actually recruited to go to Premier. And in my role at Premier, I worked with about 15 uh, major pharma and medical device companies to identify what is the clinical evidence that really shows the effectiveness of their products and how do we demonstrate uh, to new stakeholders, which it's not just doctors anymore. It's doctors, it's uh, hospital administrators, it is um, quality managers, it is service line leaders. They all have a stake in what's happening today in the health system and identifying how do we truly make the healthcare system better in relation to how it's impacting their reimbursement. So I think it's it's several different areas we we need to focus on. One is around data and big data and how do we use big data to show hospitals um, uh, the therapeutic areas that deserve the attention 
um, specifically from a patient uh, outcomes and quality perspective. So data is important. I, I think another area that's important is uh, looking at healthcare policy. So being educated around the healthcare uh, policies that are now in play. So one of those policies is what we call uh, the MIPS and the MACRA program. And within those two programs, it actually dictates and helps providers select uh, the products that are impacting the health system's reimbursement. So one specific example, the United States government uh, continues to look at, at oncology and how do we better treat cancer patients. So what the um, U.S. government decided to do is to create a new value-based payment model for cancer patients. Um, how big is it? How, how does it matter? Actually, one third of U.S. oncologists participate in the oncology care model. What does it all involve? It involves data, reporting and submitting data. It involves tracking of patient outcomes, and it involves the hospitals being paid for the data submission, and they actually get penalized when they aren't following what we call the quality measures, which are the processes they're supposed to follow when treating patients. So I would say data, I would say focusing on value-based care through those quality measures. And then I would say actually being um, a consultant. So I actually think as a, a medical sales professional, we need to constantly be aware of where are hospitals focusing? Where do they uh, uniquely, uh, what are they, their unique needs for their specific patient population? And I think going back again to the data conversation, by looking at their administrative claims, by looking at their cost data, they can see where they're providing really good patient outcomes in relation to the evidence-based guidelines and the quality measures. And then they can maximize those efficiencies. Um, and then in those areas where they do have an opportunity to improve care, they can develop care management teams. And so I think as industry, we have a wonderful opportunity to provide resources and tools for hospitals to uh, redesign their care process or maximize those efficiencies. Okay, so I mean that that is a lot of a uh, lot of information. So let's kind of dissect that a little bit. But um, because you're right, so for the audience, you're listening to this and you're you're probably going, "Oh my God, I just want to sell my product." Here's the here's the challenges as this healthcare system evolves and hospitals start looking at having to provide their data and looking at the policies, the MIPS and the macros, the hospitals are going to be changing the way in which they acquire product as well as how they treat their patients and algorithms in between that so they're getting the best possible outcomes. So how is, how you know, from your perspective as a salesperson, how are you supposed mm -hmm. to impact that? You've, you're, you'll be asking yourself that question throughout this podcast, but just hold on tight because it, it truly is a very, uh, it's, it's a complex um, thought process, but it, it's really driven by common sense I, I, as a, the more I dive into this and start to learn this. So before we go into this, um, Rachel, the, the question is, is why we're doing this? Why is this happening? So what is it about the headwinds that hospitals are facing? Or is it more the healthcare system facing that we're going down this road? Yeah, that's exactly right. So 
Um, some people call it Obamacare. Some people call it the Affordable Care Act. Um, but when the Affordable Care Act was passed, um, it was actually it was actually supported by both the Republican and Democratic side of Congress, both sides of Congress. Um, there was a big group of lawmakers and healthcare decision makers that came together that said, you know, as a nation, we, we don't have the best outcomes. So what can we do using the current infrastructure that we have to better understand what's happening in our hospitals, what's happening in these physician practices, what's happening when you're admitted to urgent care. And so one of the major reasons that they started focusing on this is because they came up with a solution. And one of those solutions was putting in place an information technology tracking system. And so um, by putting in an information technology tracking system, they started paying doctors to implement electronic medical records. They started paying hospitals to implement electronic medical records. And the big goal was to streamline the information shared across different systems and nationally. And by doing that, that has brought us to where we are today and that almost every hospital and, and physician practice has an information sharing mechanism in place through an electronic medical record that allows decision makers in those facilities, so be it doctors, be it nurses, be it the care team, to see what are the current treatment patterns? Which drugs is the doctor giving that patient? What advice is that doctor giving that patient? Is it focused on preventing uh, diseases? Is it focused on maintaining a given disease? And how do we use that information technology infrastructure to identify the areas where there is good care and an opportunity to improve care. Okay. So it's it's so to take that even a step further, it's why are we doing this? Okay, so we got through Obamacare. Um, when you bring in these uh, the electronic information and these data sets, it starts to expose best practices and potentially not so good practices. Right? That's exactly right. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you're going to grab onto the best practices in CMS, Medicare, slash Medicare, mm -hmm. is going to say to hospitals, listen, your peers over here are performing exceptionally well. Their quality outcomes are better. They're costing the healthcare system less money. You need to catch up because we know it can be done because they're doing it. Is yep, that right? That's exactly, that's exactly right. And the other point I would add is not only is it the government, but it's also the health insurance companies that are paying whenever you go in to see the doctor or going into the hospital. They actually also have quality programs and reimbursement programs put in place where they're tracking the health outcomes of the patients within their formulary program. Okay. So it really comes down to the fact that we don't have the money to keep spending on healthcare um, unless we start to improve outcomes. Yep, that's exactly right. They're trying to incentivize 
people taking care of their health, empowering them to take care of their health by looking at what is what has already worked and where it's worked, creating incentives to follow those practices. Okay. So now I'm a sales rep and I'm thinking about this. I'm like, what am I supposed to do about this? And, you know, I'm, I'm selling a, uh, you know, a hip and knee, a spinal implant, a pacemaker, you know, a shunt, whatever. Um, just hold on tight um, and follow this, this podcast as we go through it because you're going to see it unravel on, on how this is going to have to change the way in which we approach our customers. So, uh, so we talk about the money that we don't have to continue practicing medicine the way we've, we have. And now we're talking about um, the difference between old school fee-for-service healthcare and versus value-based payments tied to quality measures. And CMS has come out and said, by 2025, 100% of providers will have, and this is the interesting, it's not, will have a downside risk if, if the care isn't, you know, isn't good care, doesn't have quality outcomes. They actually say have a significant downside risk. And I think that is pretty powerful. You, you've taught me about this. So what, how do you interpret that? What would that mean to me as if I'm, I'm a sales rep today, you know, four or five years from now, we're going to be entering where 100% of my hospitals are going to be into this mix of basically better outcomes, quality care. What does that mean? How do you see that? That means that hospitals will be selecting the products that have the clinical evidence or um, the proof that their products work. And not only just the proof that their products work via a clinical study, but they're also going to be selecting products in relation to how, as a hospital system, they're getting paid. So Congress, CMS, HHS, the big government entities and the large major, major payers are looking now, as we speak, at the products that uh, both improve outcomes and decrease the cost of care for patients within their health systems. So they are going to uh, uniquely identify those uh, products through the value analysis process. So as a sales rep, you need to select products that improve outcomes and are cost effective and that they improve outcomes for the patients themselves. Okay. And so if I'm a sales rep today and my main focus is calling on a particular doctor, surgeon, provider, because it's a preference item, a surgical preference sure. item, that that is is changing. And I've I, I've got friends that sell hips and knees. Yeah, it's been changing for ten years. It doesn't matter. You know, blah blah blah. And and I look at that and I say, well, that's because you're selling a commodity, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're selling a commodity in the eyes of the hospital system because they're mm-hmm. they're knocking the, the the price of your product down 10, 15, 20 points a year because they consider it, a, it is a true commodity. So, um, but if I was in the hip and knee business today, and now you've got robots 
that are coming into the marketplace and they're coming into the marketplace. To, and, and this is, you know, and I'm, I'm a, a big believer in predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, robotics, anything that is providing greater efficiencies to heal our healthcare system. Robotics, mm-hmm. what robotics is really doing is, is making the curve. If you took a bell curve, the, the doctors who have not the best outcomes on the bottom 50%, taking them to the top, the top of the range. So you're reducing human error, supposedly. I'm, you know, this is still yet to be proven. But if I'm selling a commodity, I have to figure out a way in which I'm not just selling to the doctor. I have to sell to the orthopedic service line, whether that's the VP. That's or, exactly right. Right? Quality, risk management. I now have to sell to this entire hospital system. The days, and they still exist today, but in four or five years, it's going to be dramatically different, is that the days of me building that one relationship with that one provider, um, whether it's a doc, a surgeon, uh, whoever, is, is really going away. And we need to become more business professionals, B2B professionals, as we sell into the hospital. That's how I take it. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I I would completely agree with you. I mean, Jim, as you know, our our company at Osprey Medical is focused on preventing harm to a specific patient population, but sales in general overall to all types of uh, clinicians is going to be focused on the entire decision-making team. So anyone who wants to bring a new product into a hospital or anyone who's looking to renew their contract is going to have to add value to the entire healthcare decision-making team. So they're going to need to demonstrate uh, that there is a a need for the product and that the product not only has a a strong return on investment, but they also need to demonstrate that it it truly does uh, align with the triple aim, which is improve outcomes, decrease cost, and better patient care. So as a sales rep, um, we need to focus on not just the doctor, not just uh, managers at the uh, at the surgical level or at the cath lab level, but it, it's also uh, expanding to the executive level team. So if I'm a sales rep, I want to refine uh, how I present my product. I want to make sure that I'm providing relevant information and having a regular cadence by how I interact with different stakeholders across that hospital. So I want to be comfortable speaking the language of the quality managers, speaking the language of the service line leaders, speaking the language of the administrative leadership from the finance side, from the value analysis side. So it's really how Having a deep understanding of what what incentives or what drives those decision makers in the hospital to make uh, business decisions around a new product. And so to do that, so you know the cardi cardiovascular service line, you know there is no school to go to, right? There is no online course, but you can just start approaching your hospitals in a more inquisitive manner saying, Hey, I just want to learn. Yeah, I'm selling this product, but what are you as the orthopedic line manager, um, thinking about when it comes to the future of how you're going to acquire products and how I fit in there? Would, would you uh, agree with that? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's understanding uh, each uh, decision maker's priorities for that for that specific uh, for that specific time, and you know, getting to know them as people and getting to know what is their system level priorities and how do you fit into what as a system they are prioritizing as something that they're going to focus on. I think there will be an increased focus on programming and the need for industry to provide uh, digital tools and, um, and resources as it relates to what science shows is the best practices. Um, so I would absolutely positively get to know who are the decision makers in your hospital. Who are they? What do they care about? Um, get to know what they're working on and what is their cadence by which they will be making decisions around your product. Get to know when is the um, value analysis committee meet. See if you can find out who's on that value analysis committee. And then more than that, see if you can find out uh how are they evaluating products? Every single health system is different and they have different metrics and different scoring cards. So if your therapeutic area, if you're in cardiovascular, find out is cardiovascular top of mind this year or is it next year? And if it's not, who makes decisions based on when this gets brought into the hospital? And I want to show you these resources that can actually help you drive better care. Yeah. So I, I won't mention the name, but there, there's, you know, large medical device company um, had a, um, um, a large amount of business up in the Pacific Northwest and they, they've had the relationships, they've been um, providing the service and the products for a long time and an RFP was sent out, they filled out the RFP, submitted it, felt everything was going to be great. A company came in and didn't go to the uh, the the person that's act the, the the team that was actually going to buy the product. They went to quality. They went to risk management. They went above and took the business right from under them because they sold within the entire hospital system and got buy-in on all these different initiatives where everybody was um, a participant in the decision-making process and said, this company is going to provide greater value. The price mm -hmm. might have been the same or even a little bit higher, but the value that they were going to create was greater than just buying the products that they, and services they were buying from uh, their current vendor. And it was, a, it was a big kick in the gut for this company. They actually laid off a bunch of people in that area. And uh, that is something that you keep your eye on because it wasn't that they lowballed the price. They, they, right. they sold the, to the enterprise in the hospital. The, everybody yeah, that touched it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that that's selling in relation to the ho total hospital solution. So it's thinking about as that patient comes into the hospital, is admitted to the hospital and is discharged to the hospital. How do we strategically think not just about the doctor that's treating that patient, but thinking about the nurses, thinking about the managers, thinking about the technicians, every single person that touches that patient, you want to 
align with those folks and align with the key priorities of the health system. Jim, I'm pretty familiar with, with that example you're referencing. And I mean, I'm sure that was an absolute kick in the gut. I think more and more, uh, uh, life science companies are going to be moving towards value-based contracting and not being afraid to go at risk around the improvement in specific outcomes for their patient population. Uh, I know a number of companies that are now offering uh, money-back guarantees for every dollar invested if they don't see an improvement in patient outcomes. So I do predict more and more of the industry will continue to go that way. Yeah, and, and Medtronic is really leading the charge with that guarantee, right? If a patient has something that's implanted, I think I think it's on the pacing side, uh, the CRM side, and if they get an infection because mm-hmm. they bought a company, they put the pacemaker um, inside this pouch to prevent infections, they'll pay for the entire surgery, right? To, yep, that's right? That, yep. So no, it's, so it's, it's interesting. So from a sales rep's perspective and a sales manager's perspective is I always say this, you got to be a student of your game. So the student, what you need to learn today is just to have broader conversations within your hospital. And I talk to a lot of reps and my peers and they're like, yeah, I don't want to do that because I don't want to upset anything. I'm really comfortable with what I have. That's exactly what this company thought in the Pacific Northwest. Right. Yep. That, yep. That, yep. That, yep. Everybody in there was just, "Hey, don't rock the boat. Everything's going to be fine." But as our as CMS, see, that's the thing. It's not like the hospitals want to do this. I would I would argue they would prefer to keep on a fee for service and just do more cases, do more volume, make more money along the way. But we'll go broke as a country continuing down that road, and so this is being forced upon them by CMS. And the payers, you know, the Blue Crosses, Blue Shields of the world will follow this. And so it's something that's going to happen. So to be a student of your game, you have to figure this out. You got to work with your companies to even figure out if they're thinking about it. Um, But go into the hospitals, go in and talk to your doctors because your doctors are having these conversations, right, with somebody. Somebody's talking to them about it. Um, And they they can help you become educated in this because – you know, I'm, you guys can tell is that this is, I'm very passionate about this because it is changing and you need to be the student and you need to, to go out and find the information that's going to make you more successful. So, um, so Rachel, with this also is that there, I've, I've done these interviews with these other CEOs that, um, and startups that are bringing unbelievable technology to the market. Um, I nook with, um, you know, trying to prevent diabetic retinopathy, Brightseed with Jonathan Gunn and providing surgical tools that are going to be able to provide um, information back to a surgeon before they continue to dissect and cut in minimally invasive um, procedures so that they don't hurt a patient. Not that the doctor wants to hurt the patient, but they're going to cut something they shouldn't cut, go through something. Um, so we, we're, we're having these different conversations with these different CEOs with these great technologies, and it's in this preventative. You're right. You're preventing something from happening. There's not a lot of reimbursement around that. Yeah, that's exactly right. I right. think that's a that's a key point to highlight, and I think one way to address. Um, thinking around that current train of thought, you know, oftentimes the hospitals say, "Well, I'm not going to get paid. Why right. would I do that?" Right. Well, my response would be, well, what if you don't do something about this 
and the government decides to pass uh, an initiative of quality measure or um, some type of quality improvement project where they're penalizing through the value-based payment programs for you not following uh, the best clinical science for treating these patients. So I think as a sales rep, you know, it's really encouraging hospitals to look at what what are you currently doing? How, how ha- have you thought about this as a way to improve care for these patients? And, and, and then if they say, you know, no, or maybe I've thought about it, look, I have a simple solution that's backed by science, that's backed by data that will drive better patient outcomes and save you money. I would absolutely encourage the sales reps listening to this podcast to really flip the script. These are, I wouldn't focus on selling the benefits of your device. I would focus on the harm caused to the patient and the impact to the entire community by not focusing on that patient population. I mean, there are a number of different uh, medical challenges we're taking on as a nation, but if a hospital system knowingly decides not to do the best by the patient, that I certainly want to wouldn't want to go to that hospital. Right. No, exactly. And so, and with these new companies that are coming out um, that are going to provide this preventative care um, uh, algorithm, if you will, in, in, in this direction, they are going to be taken seriously by this healthcare system. Because even though, and I'm going to go back to this fee for service, there's no reimbursement because there's no fee for service to do this. Well, by 2025, we're going to be more along the lines of the value-based payments, quality outcomes. And I'm only going to give you hospital A so much money to treat my diabetic population. If you spend more than that, you're going to eat it. But look, if we use this technology, whatever that technology is to prevent the onset and um, the progression of diabetes, as a healthcare provider, I'm going to make money because I'm not going to spend it, so I get to keep it. And- yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. I um, I have a really good example that aligns exactly with what you're saying. So, you know, Jim, I, I was I was talking with the CFO of a, a large integrated delivery network health system down in Texas, uh, six hospitals. And what this CFO said to me is, look, what I'm going to do, I, I believe that my hospital has a problem. And so what I want you to do is to show me the codes from a coding perspective that apply to these patients. And so I actually sent him the ICD-9 and ICD-10 codes. He had his data analyst look into the data, called me back and said, wow, I really do have a problem. If you hadn't raised this as an issue, I wouldn't have invested in your technology. Um, Next, I'll say, additionally, um, as it relates to the reimbursement perspective, you know, these hospitals have these uh, arrangements, these business arrangements with these insurance companies and with CMS and HHS. So knowing what's happening as it relates to that hospital's reimbursement and, and really talking to how you are linked to those patient populations and those value-based payment programs is going to be key. There's a number of hospitals. Uh, about 15% of U.S. hospitals today have value-based payment 
programs in 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 effect. And so um, the way I align as a sales professional is I want to, since I have a preventative health uh, device that that we're pushing, is I w- I actually talk to them about their data and I talk to them of, about their value based payment that they're getting for the patients with the comorbidities that our our company is focused on. So that that this this is 2020. By 2022, 75% of CMS payment is going to be tied towards these quality measures. By 2025, as Jim said, 100%. So I need to align uniquely, not just around the features and benefits, but align around this preventative health focus by teaching the hospitals about the current uh, reimbursement infrastructure. Yeah. And so, and once again, you got to be a student of your game. So you have to, as a, as a sales rep, a sales manager, I keep saying this, even in marketing, you have to start understanding that this game is changing and 75% of the hospitals in two years are going to be value-based payment. That, that means they're going to lose money if their quality doesn't improve and the fee for service mm-hmm. is going to continue to go down. So, and if your company, you know, whatever device product, whatever you're selling, and you're asking yourself, well, I don't know if our products actually provide better care or has a, have a better outcome. Well, you've got to figure that out um, and talk to the people that are in your, uh, in your company to help you understand what to focus in on. Because selling uh, whatever you're selling and you're not driving this value, you will be put in the commodities bucket and your price will erode because the hospital isn't deriving any true value unless you can prove otherwise. And so if you don't yeah, know- Yeah, that's exactly right? right. So if you don't know what it is and your company doesn't know what it is, you, you might want to start asking yourself questions if you're in the right place and get with people in your company and say, hey, this is something we really got to start paying attention to. Every, every individual, I believe this within any company can have incredible impact on their company if taking charge. Don't sit back and wait to lose the business because somebody else was um, ahead of you and, and, and a better student at their game. So you, you brought up something um, you know, with insurance and all that. And I, um, I wanted to talk, I know you've been involved with some lobbying efforts and You've, you've spent some time, you live in D.C., so you, you know that culture. I want to know what your thoughts are about, the, um, uh, about what's going on in D.C. when you're involved with Big Pharma and the lobbying efforts. What, what do you see outside of what we talked about, CMS? What do you see else happening? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I, I see um, continued interaction with the professional societies. Um, so the life science, the pharma and the medical device companies are, are creating external partnerships where they're actually educating on their unique uh, therapeutic areas. So there's engagement. Um, there's, there's a lot more partnerships. Um, so for example, our company works with, with three major uh, nonprofit organizations that care about patients with chronic kidney disease. So um, I would highly encourage um, the sales professionals to look into what is the lobbying and, and advocacy teams at your company doing. Um, and if you're not doing anything, um, just know that not having a pulse on what's happening in Washington could could actually prevent your company from having a reimbursement code 
or a quality measure aligned to it. There's a major top 10 science company that actually um, lost reimbursement. It was actually around heart failure for an entire year because they weren't keeping the pulse on what their competitors were doing in the heart failure space. So um, again, as Jim mentioned, just just keep a pulse. I would create external partnerships with with entities, uh, with your professional society. Um, and then I would strongly encourage you to to look at uh, policies that drop related to your patient population. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just really key. Our, from a sales perspective, we're being impacted on what we're, how we're going to make our living from all different directions. It's, it's not my, I got the greatest features and benefits anymore. It's, we're being impacted in so many different levels and you have to be a much more sophisticated sales professional to continue to go down this road in, in the med tech uh, industry. Um, I wanted to, uh, this was something that I thought was really interesting. I got it from Cath Lab uh, Digest and uh, magazine. Um, the title is, The Writing is on the Wall, Have You Read What's Coming? And in here it says the Kaiser Foundation, and this goes to the disconnect between um, incentives, whether it's surgeon, doctor incentives versus hospital incentives. And if you mm-hmm. have, and if you haven't listened to my podcast with Bruce Radcliffe, who's the str- vice president of strategic supply for the Aurora Advocate Healthcare System, if you listen to this, then go listen to that podcast, and it'll start to tie itself together. Um, and, and this is something that I find very interesting when we talk about third-party payers. The Kaiser Foundation, this is from the magazine, the Kaiser Foundation estimated that more than 60% of employers are self-insured. This means that insurance companies make money as a third-party administrator processing claims. Thus, their incentive is to pay more claims for more care so they can grow their revenues, right? And it goes on to say... Um, a state's health plan shared that on average in this particular state, commercial insurance pays hospitals 280% of Medicare allowable, illustrating the disconnect between the employer's desire to bend the cost curve and the insurer and provider's desire to grow the revenues. So that, and so everybody, and, and I read that because everything is now out in the open and things like this are being looked at and saying, we can't afford to do that anymore. And, um, and so we're not trying to scare what we do as a living, but say we're going to become more efficient and more effective because everyone's paying attention to every dollar because we as consumers of healthcare in this nation are concerned about the health of our healthcare. And so I, I just, you know, f- you know, from a big 50,000 foot level, it's like just start paying attention to everything. Yeah, that that's exactly right. The um, as you mentioned, the employers are going to become increasingly more involved in healthcare decisions and the coverage, uh, de- specifically decisions around the coverage and when, which insurance programs their employees are are on and what what benefits they're going to have. The reason for that is because large employers typically have a um, a set amount that they pay, and they they actually have a lower uh, a lower cost if they are what's called self insured. And so, if they're a self insured employer, they are almost acting uh, like an insurance company. So they are going to be offering more incentives 
to drive down the the number of doctor visits and the number of hospital visits. So actually, one of my previous employers paid me $600 to collect my health data through a health risk assessment. So I do, I do believe that not only will the government not only were the health insurance companies, but actually your employer and who, who's who's paying your uh, your salary, your bills, is going to become more and more involved in the decisions uh, for your health care because they're going to be the ones selecting selecting the insurance coverage that you have, and with that, they'll be encouraging you to prevent. Uh, um, uh, extreme, uh, costly doctor visits sure. and hospital visits, which is preventative care. Right. That's exactly right. Right. It's just take care of yourself. It's just, um, what was it? Is it, um, is it a car rental agency or something just said there's 21 States that said that if you have people that you test for tobacco and it comes back positive, you no longer have to hire them. You can deny them employment because of their nicotine use. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. I can't remember which company was just in the news recently. But you think about that, it's, and, and it's hard to argue from an employer's perspective saying, your bad habits cost me and this company more money, right? Sure. Why should we take that on? So it, it is, right? You're starting to say, I mean, look at that. It's Everyone's taking a look at the healthcare system and the monies that are being spent and saying, we've got to heal this. So- so I know for the medical sales nation, this is th- this is definitely not the answer. We we didn't provide a lot of answers, right, to questions as much as we discussed. Hey, this is the marketplace and how it's unfolding, and there's certain things you can do today, and certain things you can ask your company to do for you, with you, to help you understand and navigate this changing healthcare field. And this is going to be an evolving conversation. Um, uh, you know, CMS is going to change their mind. New administration is going to come in at a certain point in time, and we're going to pivot in one direction or the other. But the overall theme of we don't have enough money to keep going down this road is agreed upon both sides of the aisle. Yep, that's exactly right. That's right. a really great point, Jim. So I would, I would continue to just stay as educated as you can, keep a pulse on what's happening from a policy perspective. And keep a pulse on what's happening with the insurance companies because those decisions that are being made can directly impact the health care that you received. Yep. So um, with, you know, not to, we could go on and Rachel knows I could go on talking about this and, and asking a ton of questions, but it is a little bit complex. It's a little bit all over the place, but yet it comes back together of be a student of your game. Um, understand the complexities of the healthcare market, simplify it for those that you work with and, and the people that you work with within the hospital and with your company, but start paying attention to this. You know, on your Google search, put in value-based payments for your notifications, put in, um, you know, quality measures. So if quality measures, if you're in the orthopedics industry, quality measures out of CMS and orthopedics, whatever it is, just get those alerts and stay on top of it. You're going to be better suited for success, especially by 2022 through 2025 as this continues to evolve. And uh, Rachel, anything you'd like to add? 
Yeah, I think that's great. Two additional resources I would suggest is the CMS website for tracking quality measures. The website is qpp.cms.gov, and it's got a really savvy tool where you can search by doctor type. Um, to see the quality measures that physicians are currently reporting on. And then the other one is the set of quality measures that the health insurance companies are focused on. And that's what we call the HEDIS, the HEDIS measures. And I would actually take a look at those as well and have a conversation with your leadership team around do we have a value-based healthcare strategy and do we have clinical studies or do we have a strategy in place to demonstrate how our products are aligned around this value-based care program that will be fully underway uh, in 2025. Great. So there's probably going to be a lot of questions um, from, from you guys in the audience after listening to this. Feel free to send me a message, send me a question on LinkedIn. You can find me, you know, Jim Surek, S-U-R-E-K, on LinkedIn, and I'll do my best, and I'll work with Rachel to get you an answer to any of those questions. And Rachel, maybe uh, six months from now, nine months from now, we, we do this again as we're going into 2021 to just update everybody on, on where this is headed, what's happened, and what's coming. Yeah, that sounds great. I'd, I'd welcome the opportunity and look forward to the questions. Thanks right. so much. Yep. All right. Medical Sales Nation. Once again, thanks for listening. I appreciate it and good luck selling.